Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. Shot blocked by Ryan Hollins. Hollins sent that into the third row. Six rebounds and eight assists. Oh! Hollins climbs the stairs. Down the floor. Ryan Hollins, he is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Hollins, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report, and you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buecher. He's Ryan Hollins, NBA vet. You can see him on a number of platforms. Uh, and in order to know exactly where you're going to find him, follow him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins and on Instagram at simply Ryan Hollins. And I feel as if I've seen you putting out some video stuff on just your takes. Am I Am I imagining this or have I seen have have seen you kind of start your own production company? I don't know if you call it production company in in, in iPhone in, in your in your little band cave. I don't know if you how you qualify that, but right. yeah, I've I've been, you know, just doing some trying to expand out to fans and yep. a little more and you know it's funny, I was always kind of against that. Like I, I couldn't stand when people did it, but I guess that's that's what people want, man. You gotta you gotta open yourself up, you know. Hundred percent. So, number of things I want to get to. I have seen two uh, in person, two exhibition games. Now, I saw your Clippers against the Nuggets the other night in L.A. I saw the Warriors and the Lakers on their opening night uh, in uh, Saturday, and I've seen little bits and pieces here and there uh, tuning into games. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get into exactly what we've seen in the preseason. Don't want to make too much of it, but uh, some things that have caught our eye, whether it be team or uh, player. But I want to start with something that I've spent the last three days uh, in L.A. at FS1 talking about, which is this whole China debacle that has been spurred by Daryl Morey's tweet and the reaction from China and then the NBA's reaction to China, and then China's reaction to NBA to the NBA, and so I, I will just 
I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this at all, Ryan, and I'm really curious from your position, like who, who, what do you make of China's reaction and the NBA's reaction to China's reaction to Daryl Morey's tweet? None of this surprises me. The only thing that surprises me is Daryl Morey being willing to go out and make that tweet. Hmm. I don't know what reaction he thought that he was going to get by doing it. Yeah. That that's that I I don't I don't know where he was going with it. I I don't think he thought he would be losing his job over it or how big it would be. But I know Daryl Morey's got to be very savvy when it comes to China and they they just really got I mean there's zero tolerance for everything. There's it, it, things, you know, questions aren't up for debate. Yeah, um, I know. I know a lot of the, and you know, there's too, Rick. A lot of the Chinese-born players and the guys that kind of come over, like they don't have a choice. It's like, no, you're sent to the NBA because you're seven feet, but right and after the season, you will be coming back and playing for the national team. Right, like, it's not up for debate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, I I don't know where Daryl Morey was coming from. Yeah, with that. Well, he was he was from a technical standpoint. I believe he was in Japan, so he was over in Asia. So I'm going to go a long way and give him the benefit of the doubt on a couple things. One, massively jet lagged. Uh, two, kind of out of his element. Yeah, I, I wonder what kind of news feeds he was getting or what he was seeing or what he was experiencing. And I don't know if you've experienced this, Ryan, but you know, when you're out of the, and I, and I have friends who say this all the time, like, you do something when you're out of the country, like you're in a place that you're normally not. It, it's like you think the rules don't, like the rules have changed or something, or you're, it doesn't count, right? It, it, you're you're like living in a in a universe where this isn't really reality. Now, I'm I'm I don't know any of this from Daryl. It sounds like I'm making excuses for him. There's actually people out there who believe that he didn't do anything wrong, and the NBA was wrong in not defending him more uh more vehemently uh because of his statement which is i, I don't i don't know how, i mean i don't really I, i've only seen that on twitter and i've gotten to a point now where in spite of how dramatic this has been like i, I my my belief in or taking twitter and social media seriously um and for, as far as what i post i take it seriously what anybody else posts are their reaction or their statements. I really don't take seriously. But I, Ryan, if if any of us like this whole thing about it's freedom of speech and it's democracy and it's oppression. Look, they didn't fire him. They didn't even make him like take back the tweet or anything. I feel as if from the very beginning, the NBA has bent over backwards to accommodate. Daryl, in spite of what he did, which was basically cause an international incident with a tweet. Like he wasn't, he wasn't curing cancer. He wasn't resolving the issues in Hong Kong. He just put out like a statement on Twitter that screwed up a relationship with China. And now everyone wants to go, well, but China's an oppressive state. And how did it? And I'm like, you weren't worried about that five minutes before Daryl's tweet, but like now suddenly you got every like China's a bad place. I just 
it just it's extraordinary to me that people think that Daryl is being done wrong here. When I look at it, I'm thinking, man, I mean, hundreds of millions. The, 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 the NBA salary cap may change as a result of this, Ryan. And as of right now, and we're recording this, Daryl Morey is still the GM of the Houston Rockets. I, I, I feel as if Tillman Fertitta and the, and the NBA has his back as much as anybody possibly could considering what he's cost them. Well, it's, there's two sides of it. The American side, obviously, that you alluded to, Rick, <coughs> excuse me, we know, I don't want to say ridiculous because that would be kind of derogatory to uh, the, the Chinese and, and kind of the way that they handle business. Um, right. We don't take those matters as serious, you know, or, or you're allowed to speak up if you don't feel okay on an issue. Mm. It, they will toss you in jail for speaking out on these issues. Like mm-hmm. if Daryl Morey was a Chinese citizen and he decided to tweet something or go out and like kind of do the exact same, he would be tossed in jail. Like this would be a serious, right. a, a, a serious offense. Right. So they don't take it lightly. And you got to understand the, it, I, I don't even think I could say put a B on it. And when I say B, I mean billions. Mm-hmm. I think this is, it, there's trillions of dollars running through the NBA through NBA culture, NBA Twitter, whatever you want to say in, in China. And those relationships are that you don't want to mess up. Mm-hmm. And seeing that we also have people over there, athletes over there, it, it's, it's a very sensitive time. Now, I, I don't think it would escalate that far, but you'd be amazed, Rick, at the dynamic between sports uh, and, and politics and kind of uh, the social climate of America now, where we're 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 almost we're like almost overly heard. I don't know if that's a thing. Like we're almost overly heard, Rick, because you get overly heard and you get few results. Yeah, you know, I'm all about results. Right, and and that's that's the weird place that America's in right now with this Chinese uh, tweet gate. <laughs> well, this is the thing. And I, and I would imagine you understand this somewhat having played overseas. I don't know how much time you've been to China. I mean, you've, you've played in China, so you've spent a little bit of time over there, right? I mean, mm-hmm. going over for games. I, I did a book with Yao. And so I spent, I've, I've made at least a half a dozen trips over there and I've had the opportunity not only to have long conversations with Yao about the difference in the two cultures and how he navigated the two sides, but having talks with his cousins, uh, his 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 Chinese agent, uh, his family, uh, his friends, and have gotten and and then just did a lot of reading to kind of get a, a sense of what I didn't understand about the culture. And this is what I get the sense again, just from the reaction of some people on Twitter by some of the things that I've said about. China and about their understanding of or or perspective, not understanding, but perspective of human rights. People seem over here, at least the people that are taking exception to what I've said, they believe that the Chinese are basically Americans who are under the lash of this oppressive government and 
that they're they're just yearning to be able to say and do everything that we say and do. And from what I know, that's just categorically wrong. You're you you need to understand how they have been raised and the perspective that they have been given since they were born. Do they like like the 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 advances and the the life the, the cultural things that we have introduced to China music movies clothes cars whatever it might be yes absolutely they do but do they believe wholeheartedly in our way of life no they don't they don't see the government as this oppressive thing that is preventing them from living the life of their dreams. They believe the country, the the government is there to keep things in order and keep in line in order for their country to be what it is and their lives to be what it is. They they believe in that, that order and that discipline. And that's how, why they can love a LeBron James and they can love the NBA but they can also be grossly insulted by someone from the West saying, you know, making a statement like the country's China's position on Hong Kong is wrong. The way they look at they don't look at Hong Kong as this independent state that is now being, you know, dragged under the lash of the People's Republic of China. They look at Hong Kong as an island that belonged to them that Great Britain basically took from them and that China finally was able to regain it. And now it is back under their control and the people there have always been Chinese and now they're back. They're being brought back to the mothership. Not not like they're being forced under their rule. And we can look at it and say, yeah, the way they're handling the uh, the protests and uh, the way they've handled Muslims, all the oppression over there, you can look at that and say, well, that's that's unfair and that's wrong. We can look at it that way. The Chinese people do not, I, from the ones that I have talked to, they don't see it the same way we do. And so this idea that, and, and, and you know, there's another part here too, where the reason they took so much pride in Yao is because he went to the West and proved that he could be a champion and a great, he could be great at something that the West does. And that has generally been uh, beyond the abilities of the Chinese. They, they have had an inferiority complex when it comes to the West. So when someone from the West criticizes them, that is that goes to the heart of every Chinese person. Like this, we've been trying, they've been trying to overcome this inferiority complex. And so it means so much more when we just look at it as an innocuous thing, like you're just standing up for freedom. You're standing up for Hong Kong. What's wrong with that? Well, there's a lot wrong with that when it comes not just to the Chinese government, but to the Chinese citizen, there's something wrong with that. And, that's something that I've been trying to impart where that's why 
getting just a little bit of that knowledge, guys like Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich, if they're speaking on things in this country, it's because they feel like, and I know what goes on in the United States. I, I, I'm, in, I'm in a safe place to talk about the United States. The idea that they're not talking about China now is in part because the NBA is saying, hey, look, let's not just, let's not, nobody go out there. Let's just not say anything right now. Let's try to repair this relationship. Yes, that's some of what is resulting in nobody saying anything. But it's also a matter of, quite honestly, not, you, like you, I, I understand it. It's, I understand it somewhat, but I still don't know all the depth of it. And if Pop or Steve Kerr or anybody else went out there and started talking about it, I mean, look, James Harden said, we love China. Da, da, da. He sounded like an idiot. Like, dude, it's so much deeper than we love China. Like, I don't even know what that means. We love China in this instance. You, you love China. You love what they're doing in Hong Kong. You, you love your shoe deal. You love what? You love the people. I mean, what? That, that's just, it's too broad of a statement for something, for an incident and for a situation that is this complex. So I don't know about you, but I honestly... I feel as if one, the league has done, has tried to walk this line between the two and two that I have no problem with them saying, Hey, we're not making any statements right now. We're not talking about anything right now. The only thing I have Ryan is what do you think we should have played the games? I mean, would you have wanted to play? How, how weird would that have been? Put yourself in, in the shoes of, of the guys over there. Like playing a game under these circumstances, that would that would have to feel weird, no? Oh yeah, like man, if if I'm overseas, the last thing I'm getting I want to hear is that something's about to pop off, or yeah. you know the NBA has kind of caused a bit of a stir. That's the last thing that you want to do. Probably makes uh, you feel really the- uncomfortable over there, right? Oh, it, ex- and, extremely. And because you're very visible, I hadn't even thought of that aspect of it. But like you're leaving the hotel, you're thinking, all right, what's up? Yeah, no, you don't you don't want to be causing that stir. Um, but also, you know, on top of that, the NBA is going to do do their due diligence in educating the players. I'm sure they've they've talked with the Chinese consulate and, you know, tried to get things, you know, underway and say, hey, are we OK here? This is all we you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. they've gone. The NBA is going to go above and beyond uh, security measures and just they'll even tell the players, hey, guys. You know, after practice, you stay indoors or if yep. you go out somewhere, uh, take a, a we'll, we'll send an extra security guard with you or whatnot. Um, so that's always that that that's where you you're kind of even safer. Um, but th- that, that's the last thing I want to hear. I'm always nervous going uh, just going to places like that. I mean, sure. I had an instance where uh, I was in Spain and I was walking the streets and after practice, I always love to get out of the hotel. So, like, that's what I would do. Like, I would go find a different place to eat and go eat. Same routine. Yeah. Well, I'm walking the streets, and this uh, Spanish uh, officer comes up to me, and he's like, well, where's your, uh, where's your visa at? Ooh. Or yeah. your, your, uh, your, uh, your passport. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have my passport on me. I live here. Like, I'm not carrying my passport. Like, I'm here for work. Like, right. I live here. And I'm like, you see everybody else. I don't know why you're asking me for a passport. Is there something wrong? Right. And, you know, we kind of had a standoff and like I, I wanted to like go off and let this guy have it. 
but I'm in his country. Mm-hmm. And I, I just felt like, I felt like I wanted to like fight and cry, like everything at the same time, because I want to punch this dude's face off. But ultimately I'm far away from home. I could be detained. Yep. This is, this isn't really worth it. But I just, I felt violated in the sense that I could not do anything. And what's crazy is that a fan walks by and he goes, yo, that's Ryan Hollins. You don't know him. That's Ryan Hollins. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like what's wrong with you? Or like, yeah. like, you don't know who that is. Like yeah. he plays for our team. Like, and then the guy didn't say nothing, but I'm just like, I'm looking like, yo, like, what makes me your guy that you feel like you need to stop what you're doing and, and come and harass me? Yeah. You know? So I guarantee you that the people that have been creating this ruckus on social media about how dare the NBA not support Daryl Morey and it's all about democracy and, uh, uh, and, and, you know, Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich by not speaking out, they're, they're supporting this oppressive regime. Meanwhile, they're more than happy to criticize our own country. I guarantee you all of those people have never been overseas or in situations as you just experienced. Uh, and I have in a multitude of situations. I was, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when 9-11 happened, I was over in Serbia near Kosovo doing a story on the partisan uh, team that Vlade and all these guys came from. And when 9-11 happened, I was, I was with them at a practice and I had just, I had just driven through Belgrade with uh, some, some Serbian friends. And I saw the buildings that had been bombed by NATO and basically they looked at NATO as being the United States. And I think there's this perception by people in the United States that we're looked at as these great people, the world round, and, and we had, you know, we live this great life and democracy is the greatest thing ever. And uh, for any of you out there that are listening and have that belief, you're sadly mistaken. There are plenty of people around the world that do not look at us as being these noble people that are all about liberty and uh, and freedom because they've experienced something else at our hands. And when the 9-11 happened, the Serbians there asked me, they were like, Have, you know, were you able to get hold of your family? Is everything okay? And then they, and then, but then they looked at me and they said, now you know how it feels because 9-11 was the first time that we'd ever had attack, an attack on our soil. Yeah. Like yeah. most Americans are not, they, they've never had this, no. this, this battle on our, on our turf. It's always someplace else. And so they looked at it and they were like, yeah, you know what? Now you know how it feels. And, and we felt what you're feeling right now. We felt it. And we felt like Americans were behind it. And we know that wasn't you, but it was your people. Yeah. And when you experience that, that can't help but have you like when, you know, I see people like waving the flag and we're Americans and we're the best and Chinese suck and they're oppressive. I'm like, dude, you got to understand 
you got to understand some of the stuff that we've done and we may have done it in the name of liberty and freedom and all that stuff, but we're still wrecking other people's lives and they don't necessarily see it the same way. And I only share that because the Chinese, I knew that I I discovered this from doing the book with Yao. Like there are Chinese, the Chinese would not allow Yao's NBA agent of record to negotiate his deals because he was white and he was an American. And they basically said, we're not going to have the white devil sitting at our table. Now, they didn't know anything else about him. He was professor at the University of Chicago, John Heizenga, good dude. Talked to him just a couple weeks ago. But their perception was, no, 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 no. There's something inherently evil about you because you are an American and we don't trust you. So when... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When Daryl Morey says something critical of China, you can bet your ass that that's only reinforcing that preconceived notion of, see, finally show we were all sympathetic. Like we were, we were business partners and we love NBA China and we're doing all this business together and you love our game and we love your money and we got your players coming over and Yao's the best. And then you say, oh yeah, but you know what? But, but, this thing you're doing, boy, that's that's really wrong. They're like, wait a minute, what? Like, <laughs> we signed a TV deal with you months after Tiananmen Square. Like, we've been what we've been all this time. And now you're going to choose to say something that suggests that the way we do things is not on the up and up? Okay, watch what, watch, watch what our reaction is. Oh, you don't, you don't think we're good enough? Watch. And that's where you have the reaction that you have. Yeah, no, man, it's it, it, it's it's deep and uh, almost it's it's funny you put it like that. It's like, well, is that what you really feel about me? Is that what you what you really think? <laughs> is that what did you did you see? Um, did you see the movie Green Book? No, no. Oh, I've, I've used this reference multiple times because. In the movie, in in it's about a a black pianist, also happens to be gay, uh, which you kind of find out through the course of the movie. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm kind of giving away the whole whole gist of the of the movie, but highly recommend it. Tremendous movie. Uh, but he goes on a tour down south, and is invited into all these mansions and. But the Green Book is a book, and this is like, I don't, I don't know, it was the 40s or the 50s, maybe the 60s. I should have a better reference of, of the time, uh, but it's, it's around that time. But the, the Green Book is a book where blacks, the, 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 the hotels 
and the restaurants that blacks were allowed to stay in and eat in in the South. Um, and they weren't necessarily the same as the ones where somebody white could. And uh, and so, but he's invited into all these mansions and he's celebrated as this great pianist. And he, he's in one of these mansions and they're just talking about how wonderful he is and everything. And he says, I have to go to the bathroom. And the, I don't know, the guy, the, the, the host uh, and, and the mansion owner, uh, he starts to go toward the bathroom uh, in the house and the the host says, "Oh no no no! Uh, th- there there's the bathroom." And he shows that like this outhouse out in the back, and uh, and the and the black pianist says, "I'm not I'm not going out there. Uh, you know I'll go back to my hotel." And and the the host says, "Okay, we'll wait for you." And the discovery was, "Oh, so." You, you're not accepting of who I am. Like I can play piano for you. You can, we can do all this, but I'm not yeah, good yeah. enough to use your bathroom. That in essence to me is what Daryl Morey's tweet said to the Chinese. Oh, we're good enough to be business partners. You're we're good enough to host your games, but when it really comes down to it, we're not the same. And you know what? We're not. The truth is, we're not. But we never, we never put it in their face the way Daryl Morey did. And that was a whoa. I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, there's never been any heavy, hard discussions between Adam Silver and Yao Ming or... Ha, the anybody in charge in China uh, that about, hey, look, if we're going to continue this relationship, you guys really need to change your approach on whether it's the Muslims or concentration <laughs> camps or uh, or uh, Hong Kong. I, I, I mean, I, I assure you those conversations were never were never held. And so if they're never held and then suddenly you go, well, uh, you know, I got a problem with this. They're like, wait, what? Like, we're not, we didn't talk bad about you. You want us to talk about, you want us to talk about what's going on in your country? Like, and, and trust me, like, we ain't perfect. Like, I, and, and, and people think you're, you're being unpatriotic if you go, we're not perfect. The reality is we're not perfect. I, I'm willing to, to look at our blemishes because I do love this country. Because I do, because I do have the freedom that I do. Because I don't want to lose what we have. Uh, not because I, I think less of it. Do we, do we have it better than the people in China? Hell yeah, we do. But we're not perfect. Like we have issues and, and that's my opinion that we have it better than the people in China. (laughs) I mean, we can get into health insurance and education and all kinds of different things where the Chinese, Chinese could make a case. Uh, really? You have it better? You know what? We got, uh, and I'm, I'm speaking out of turn here, you know, they could talk about their, their health coverage or their education or, or, or things like that. And where we go, "Mm, yeah, you know what? (laughs) We kind of dropped the ball on some of those things at this point. Our, our, our elite have access to things that the average person does not have. 
And there's some of that over there too. And I, we're going far afield, but I just, I, I feel like there's this, this massive ignorance uh, of, of what's, of the relationship between the NBA and China. And, and this is the good thing, I believe, to come from Daryl's tweet is it's going to, it's going to force people to educate themselves. If you really care, if you really want to understand it, you can just turn your back on it and say, I don't like the NBA because the NBA didn't defend Daryl and it's all about, we should just care about us. You can't unwind that. I mean, Ryan, we're, we are, we're having this podcast. I guarantee you that Chinese labor and Chinese production in some way made what we're doing right here possible. I guarantee you that something I'm wearing right now was made in China. Uh, if, if, if you got an iPhone, <laughs> you're the beneficiary Man. of our relationship with China. It's, it's impossible to, to say that the, the average American isn't intertwined, doesn't depend in some way, shape, or form on our relationship with China. And you've never, you've never complained about it before. But now suddenly they're an oppressive state and the NBA is not calling them to task. It's like, just stop it. You just, you know, nobody's buying that. You can't, you're, there's not a flag big enough for you to wrap yourself in the, to, to make that, to, to make that set sail. It's not, that's, that ain't happening. But I, I see people out there trying to make that ar- argument and it's, it's just laughable to me. Yeah, yeah, those those labor laws are a whole lot different. So when when you're getting uh, those nice T-shirts for ten ninety nine, bingo. Rather than that, in twenty or thirty, those American-made T-shirts cost a lot more for those labor laws, bro. So hundred percent, you gotta you gotta understand a lot of that. So a lot a lot of things are a lot cheaper because they're made in China. They can. They, I don't want to say get away with, but that's just the way their laws well, are. Well, and here's the, the way thing, it works. Ryan. And here's the thing: even the things that are made in the U.S. are less because they have to keep it within the range of what China, the Chinese production is. Like, even if you're not, if you're not buying Chinese stuff, what's made in Thailand or what's made in Pennsylvania, it's all skewed because of what China presents and again i'll just say this like if 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 you if you've been somebody who's been out there and has been banging the drum and saying we shouldn't have a relationship with china that china and we shouldn't have we shouldn't rely on their goods i mean i know even people like this president for all of the insane stuff that he does he's taking on china for us he doesn't want to shut china down He's not looking to shut China down. He's trying to get a better deal with China. So it's not a matter of you're a, you're you're opposed to how they run their country. You're you're still accepting of the way they do things. You're just trying to get you're just trying to make a few more bucks. Like that that doesn't get to the principles of democracy and human rights and all that stuff. We're not change, we're not trying to change any of that. This president's not trying to change any of that. So don't sing me that song either. Like like somehow he's he's this evangelist when it comes to yeah we're gonna make China do do things a different way no we're not we're just trying to get a better deal we're still we're still signing off on the way they do things all right 
I've gone on way too long. I haven't given you nearly enough uh, room here to 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 make this uh, this partnership here on the podcast. <laughs> but I'm I'm so passionate about it, and I've spent enough time that I it just I, one I this is the nexus of sports and politics in our world that, uh, that that fascinates me above and beyond the game. And I think it's the value of sports and that it can have us talking about these things and, and better understanding them. But I do want to get to, uh, before we wrap this up, I do want to get to uh, the preseason. I, um, I've seen Zion a couple times. I've, uh, I've uh, not, not live, but I've watched a, a couple of his games. Um, I've been I, I gotta tell you, he's he's better than I thought he was. I don't still putting him up against LeBron is unfair to him, but man, and I don't know how good New Orleans is gonna be or how they're gonna be able to harness him. And I don't know what you've seen, Ryan, but man, he is fun. More than anything else, he's just fun to watch because he can do certain things. It's just like you you catch your breath. Yeah, I, I like what I'm seeing from Zion. He, he's impressed me. Uh, you you really got to credit uh, Coach Gentry over, Gentry over there. He's putting him in positions to be successful, just to be who he is. Like, hey, you be ready to dive, cut, and finish. Yeah. We're not going to try to you know have you running the point guard or bringing the ball up floor. We got Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, enough of these guys to get you the basketball. Okay, so so be the best Zion that you can be, and right now it's working out. And then you can build in, you know, a little isolation game, the jumper, maybe bring the ball up court. You know, that game starts to expand. But I mean, he's bro, he's a pogo stick. And when I was watching it, uh, you saw him going up against uh, Rudy and Rudy Gobert, Ed Davis. Those are two legitimate defenders so yeah. I, I, when i saw that i'm like this thing might mess around and work out yeah it's you know the the the, the concern i have is and i saw them against i watched their game against the bulls and he was 12 for 13 whatever he was he was getting to where just getting to the cup finishing but they were losing by like 20, 25. They ended up winning the game. Scrubs came in in the fourth quarter, lit it up from three. Zion had nothing to do with it. In fact, uh, uh, Alexander, uh, uh, the 17th pick, actually had the, had a, played a big role. He impressed me down the stretch in a, in a battle of scrubs. Uh, I'm worried about Zion defensively in particular and the Pelicans in general. Now, Jackson Hayes did not play, and I think he will have an influence. But I think this is where the youth of their team, I wonder. And I, you know, like Lonzo, Lonzo, I think is a very good defender. Uh, Drew Holiday can be a very good defender. I think they, they have some guys who, who they could be very good defensively. But I don't get, I don't know that they're like their mindset is they're going to hang their hat on that. What do you think? Yeah, rim protection definitely comes at a premium. Uh, that's a problem that Coach K had uh, w- with him, and it was the kid from Sacramento, uh, Bagley. Bagley. They're they're not really true fives. They're not tough enough and have enough size to play the five. Yeah, they're not necessarily wings either, or, or the jump shot isn't there to stretch them out. 
and that is going to be a bit of a conflict with Zion uh, because now you're not just guarding a four. You know, the fours now are what Danilo Gallinari. Uh, you got a number of these guys mm-hmm. who are stretching you all the way out or you're guarding uh, guys in the paint. You're guarding DeAndre Jordan. You're guarding Montrez Harrell. You're, you're guarding uh, Rudy Gobert on one into things. You know, or, hey, are you – Zion is legit like 6'6". Six, six. Like, he looks just like a springy <laughs> six-foot-six dude just jumping over uh, centers and, and forwards. So – um, you know, is he going to be, be big enough to really take up ground and make space in the, in the pick and roll, you know, cover a guard and b- bother him? So there are going to be some struggles there. But it, at least from a scoring aspect of knowing your role, yeah. I, I thought he's done an excellent job, Rick, at just playing, just playing to his strengths. He's a better passer than I realized, and he has a nice handle. How would you – and because teams aren't – I mean, they're, they're, they're not game planning – for Zion at this point. And I don't know at what point that they will. He's gotten a lot of like weak side and one-on-one action. And he's, he's done a really nice job when it comes to that. How do you, how would you defend him or how do you think teams will go about defending him? Uh, and can, can they, I mean, can they, can they make the game hard for him? Because as I, as I watch him, like it just his, his explosiveness and his, his ability to get a step, like it's really electric. And I'm thinking, what do you do? What do you do to make, to take that away? You, he had right now, he's still got to keep showing it. Like, like he's going to see Utah again and Rudy's going to be like, all right, bro. Like I, I see, I see how quick you are, how nimble you are. I've got to respect your first step, but mm-hmm. he has yet to show a, a, a move. He just kind of yeah. He just goes by his guy. He just jumped. goes by guys. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, he may have a little a little crafty little crossover here and there, but he just dribbles and he and he jumps. And you know, I like that it's not all dunks either right now. Like he's finishing over guys, but there's only so much you can just keep doing that. So I, I, I yeah. I'm intrigued to see. But a scouting report is going to say, hey, keep him straight up. Uh, you know, make him try to get him to finish over the right hand and take that bump. And oddly enough, with a guy like that, you know, your first mindset is, okay, back up and meet him in the paint. Well, he's just jumping over you and scoring through the contact. But what you actually want to do is get up, challenge, and dribble. And then as he comes, you retreat. So your mindset as as you challenge his dribble and you press him a little bit, you're just retreating. If he hits a one dribble pull up on you, you call him and say, God bless you. God bless you every time you hit that shot because I'm going to keep giving it to you. So. Michael Porter Jr. obviously missed last season, uh, had back surgery. I didn't know what to make of him, and a lot of any. Obviously, he he fell down the draft boards. The back being a big part of it, people knowing that there were some issues there. And I don't know what his durability is going to be as a result of that. But I got to tell you, I I saw him against the Clippers. He's I he's only gotten. Uh, action at the end of games. It's only been scrub time. I, I I don't think he's played in the first half yet. Maybe late third quarter, mostly fourth quarter action. But he has been impressive. He's a lot longer and quicker than I realized. He can shoot it. Uh, I've been really impressed with him. And I'm curious 
because he's only getting scrub. I mean, look, he was a first round pick. He's only getting scrub action. And I know you haven't seen him as I have, but I wonder with this, like when you're on a team in training camp and you're playing these preseason games, how do you gauge where you are in the pecking order based on the minutes that you get or where you play? Like, can you read something into that? How do you, how do you gauge? Cause Will and I, like Will Blackman had a conversation, like based on what he was getting in preseason with the Seahawks, he thought for sure, like I'm on the team. Like I've made the team. I'm, I'm, I'm in the rotation. I'm, I'm going to play. And then cut down day came and he was ass out. I wonder for you, like how, how do you read where you are in the pecking order? And it's a little bit different because of, of, of guaranteed contracts and stuff like that. But I wonder whether you can, you can help me on that in terms of what your experience was or how I should read Michael Porter Jr. still only getting scrub minutes, even though he's, he's looked great. And Michael Malone after the game talked, you know, lavished praise upon him for, for the way he's played. Well, things always mix around. It also depends on the team you're on. If you're on a veteran team, you kind of know who's going to come in, who, who's going to play, who's not going to play. Uh, or, 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 hey, if, if you're on the floor, let's say when I was with Clifford, hey, Chris Paul is on the floor, you, you know you're playing valuable minutes. Now, you If you're playing offer. with him. Exactly. Yeah. Now, you have to understand things are going to mix around. You could have a lineup where preseason three starters start and then two other guys are icing their knees on the sideline. Right. You know, um, so you can't buy too, too much into that. But you do have to know if you're in a position battle, these are opportunities for you to show what you have. Or, right. you know, it could be three starters and you're you're starting with two rookies. Essentially, a coach wants to see you. Hey, are you a guy that I can lean on in the offense? Or do you do you need to have stars around you for you to do well? You right. know, or are you a guy who can come off the bench? So. There's a lot of experimenting going on. So the one thing I learned was to kind of like, because I used to just take preseason as a joke. It, go in, get your work in, bro, and then get off your feet. And there's a lot more overthinking going on this time of year than it, than it should be. Hmm. Is, is, do you basically know, because this is the thing, <clears throat> I've never, I've always wondered how much real competition there is in training camp in terms of, like you can change the template. I I feel like because of contracts, because of relationships, because of you know the mindset of like they already know they already have a feel for who you are or or what they expect you to contribute. That I, I wonder just how much really changes as a result of training camp. Now there's a lot to change. There, there's position battles going on. Uh, you'll sign multiple guys in the, kind of in the same spot or. You, you go from that spot where you were a rookie and you're trying to show like, hey, like I, I can play this year, coach. Right. I'm a guy that you can put into the rotation. Right. Uh, but so, but not ro- I mean roster battles. Do you think other than yeah. I mean, how many roster how many roster spots do you think are genuinely being battled for? Oh, there, there's a lot, man. It it's actually happens more than not. I mean, you have your guys obviously locked in, man. If I signed you to a max contract, <laughs> you're gonna play. Right. All right. So that's that's not a question there. But ultimately, these these position battles are going on. I think even my, my time in uh, in Memphis, when I was on, you know, 10 day contracts at training camp, Scalary, uh, I had a heck of a training camp. And that's what 
put me on the team, Rick. So like I had to show out and mm-hmm. I ended up getting cut because of numbers, but they, they brought me right back. Gotcha. Uh, and if I hadn't have done what I did, I wouldn't have been on the team. So that was an incredibly uh, valuable time. I even think with the Clippers, like it was me, Ronnie Turry off of Lamar Odom, uh, you know, at the same time. And it's like, okay, well, well I got to show that I can play. I got to show that these are these are my minutes. So I had to go in with a, you know, with a different mindset. Now, you know, sometimes, you, you know, your spot is set no matter what. But there's a guy, you know, like when I signed in Minnesota, like, hey, I'm, I'm the starter. Or I'm coming off the bench. It's me, Kevin and Al. That's pretty. You can look around and see that's it. So right. uh, every situation uh, w- was, I mean, by far different. Yeah. All right. Let's end it there. Uh, that does it for this episode of Buchan Holland, subsidiary of Buchan Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. Uh, please rate and review the show uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And then if you want us to do something for you, just screenshot the number, whatever stars you give us, comment that you leave, and send it to at Buchan Friends, and you'll be eligible to win some prizes. In the next podcast, uh, I want to get into... Ben Simmons knocking down a three and another guy that I never thought would be a three-point threat and yet he has demonstrated at least in the preseason that he is and it changes my view on that three that Ben Simmons has. I'll discuss that in the very next podcast. In the meantime, for Ryan and myself, as always, thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.